All right, we're back after a two-week hiatus, two-week break, giving myself a chance to reset. Episode 27 of Cap and Trade here on Twitter Spaces. Tonight, I am joined by Jeff Risden of, he's got multiple, multiple areas of work, realgm.com. He is the editor for Lions Wire and the Browns Wire. And he has a Detroit Lions podcast, very busy man, and he is an, a former alum of Texans Wire. Jeff, welcome in, sir. Thanks for having me. It's it's good to connect back with the, the Texans folk. You know, I, I, I was the founder of Texans Wire, believe it or not, back in the day, and I, I, I kind of miss it. Although the last last year, I'm, I'm not going to say that I missed covering the Texans. <laughs> what, what, when, what year did you depart covering the uh, Texans? I left after the 2019 draft. Uh, we, I switched up, uh, I, I, I live in Michigan now. Uh, I used to live in Houston and Friendswood. Yep. Now I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And, uh, I, I am a Lions fan lifer, um, poor choice on my part, but, uh, you know, uh, uh I, I got a chance to work with, with a team closer to home. So I took that and, uh, left the technicals behind in the, in the capable hands of Mr. Mark Lane. Yeah. And we've got, uh, one of the Texans wire writers in here, John Crumpler, who's listening in. So he's, uh. Currently, he's man. also really good, yes. smart guy. Yes, he's been pumping out the content left and right. So I think I covered all your all your sources of information between the between the Lions and the Browns wires and the Real GM and the podcast. So I appreciate you taking some time um, to join me tonight and kind of wanted to go over some draft needs for the Texans now that we're past the fun part of free agency and now we're kind of into. I think teams are now in transitioning mode to uh, moving towards the draft and getting the board set. And I know draft evaluations is definitely a strong suit of yours. And, uh, you know, I've, I've heard you cover, I mean, even back when you were covering the Texans and covering potential draft and evaluations and all that. So I definitely wanted to get your opinion. You and I have had exchanged messages for, gosh, three or four years now. Time. Yeah. A long time. Before this is the first time that we actually have gotten – been able to speak to each other so it's good to connect on that level as well Absolutely. and uh, with that you know and said 2019 so after the 2019 draft you left so yeah shit just really got sideways after that it's not going well since then uh don't blame me it's not my fault <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean things got pretty ugly there especially around that time and then once o'brien was fired and just the whole man it's been a rough two two and a half years for texans fans you especially know, with been. recent recent news and and well, of course you're you covering the browns you, you're entrenched in that with the whole deshaun yeah, watson I've been on the other end of that that's not been fun either um and and it's, it's uh yeah <laughs> you know I'm, so my kids um they they had their formative years living in houston so they are still texans fans uh my son is definitely a Texans fan. Uh, he's also more of a Rockets fan, which also hasn't gone so well lately, but uh, yeah, so we, we still keep up with it. Uh, we do watch every Texans game um, as um, my son is, is into it. My daughter kind of is. Um, she's only 13. So you, you, you understand yeah, how that goes. The, with she's the, the volleyball, volleyball prodigy, right? Uh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mom and I played, but uh, we weren't as good as she is. That's uh, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you're 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 now you're getting a full taste of the of the Watson experience up there. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. See how Cleveland manages continuing to build that roster with uh, 
slightly limited draft allocations and, and how they're going to manage the cap going forward with that. So that would be fun to see. But tonight, you know, we wanted to kind of focus on the, the Texans as best we can. And, you know, they've got a bevy of picks this year. You know, they've got one, two, six, six picks in the top 108 picks, you know, two in the first round, number 37 in the second round, 68 and 80 in the third round, 107, 108 in the fourth round. And, you know, I think I, I would, I joke about it all the time, but I, I think PFF kind of nailed it with their mock draft tool. When you go look and it says positions of need and it says everything for the Texans, <laughs> you know, it's kind of tongue in cheek, but it, at, when you start looking at everything, it's pretty dang accurate maybe outside of – and I'm not saying quarterback is not a need, but I think the Texans are probably content with running running 22 out with, with Davis Mills to see what they have in him. So I started kind of just jotting down potential needs, both defense and offense, and it literally hit almost every single position. I mean, I there's really no way to order these things just because the team is so so barren on, on – on depth, on star players. There's really only two or three foundational players on this roster at this point in time. So, you know, from a high-level view, my first question for you is, is drafting for talent versus scheme fit? You know, it. You know, we see Lovey Smith is, is now the head coach. He's going to keep his Tampa 2 zone coverage system in. And, you know, towards the end of last year, he sprinkled in some cover one, some man, a little more blitzing. But – you know, he's kind of an old-school cover two guy, really depends on the front four getting pressure, zone coverage in the back end. And we've seen the Texans not give their coaches a very a long leash when it comes to their tenure, you know, their tenure on, on. – so it makes you wonder, like, is, if Lovey has two years, you know, are you, are you drafting just on pure talent or are you drafting on scheme fit? And I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that. Yeah, and I think in this draft, where Houston's picking at three and thirteen, it kind of sets up well for that to 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 blend together, Uh, because you've got guys. Look, you've got to get pass rush. Uh, There's no question about that. That there's and and there's there's depth in this draft. Um, You can get it at three. You can get it at thirteen. You can get it in the second. You can even get some guys in the third round that can that can help. Uh, And and you know, scheme fit. Uh, I, I'll give Lovey some credit. He was a little bit more creative and innovative than I thought he would be last year. Um, like you said, at, as as the year progressed, I think he got a little bit more comfortable and realized that, okay, I've got to do more because my scheme, like I just don't have the, the horses run with it with all the guys on the one-year deals and, and expiring contracts and everything. And, and there's a lot of that still. You know, you got to get transcendent talent. And I think Lovey is – is smart enough to understand that, you know, he's, he's been, this is his third rodeo in the NFL. He didn't get that third job for nothing. You know, this is a guy who, who understands how to play the game, you know, as a coach. So getting guys who can make a difference and make him look better, I think is something that he's, he, he's going to be, he's going to be wise enough to do that. So will, will Nick Casario buy into that? Yeah, I, I kind of think so. I, I think, and again, we're look again. The, the Texans do need pretty much everything, but you need you need your best players at your high impact position. That's pass rush, cornerback, wide receiver. Uh, I'm with you at quarterback. I like Davis Mills. Um, I'll be honest; he was a pleasant surprise for me. I didn't think he could play at all uh, coming out. I didn't have a very, very lofty evaluation of him at all coming out of Stanford. 
there's it's it's at least worth looking at him and seeing if he can be the answer next year. This is a, a pretty young football guy. I get why they would want to to roll with with Davis. So I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, that that that's something that you can put off with the extra first round pick you got in 2023 or possibly even 2024. You know, you you've got to get this is a chance to get a, a top shelf pass rusher, a top shelf playmaking safety. You can get yourself a couple of off ball linebackers and a fantastic linebacker draft. Um, because uh, I'll tell you, you know, I've covered Christian Kirksey, I've covered Jalen Reese, Maven. <laughs> Those guys are placeholders, man, <laughs> and not anything more than that. Uh, and, you know, the, look, I'm, I'm, let me look at the depth chart. I think Neville Hewitt's still on the team, isn't he? Um, Kevin Pierre Lewis. Like you're just not. You gotta you gotta get impact players there. Linebacker is more important for Lovey than it is for a lot of other teams. So, and and again. It's a good it's a good draft to need linebackers. It's a great draft to need safeties. It's a pretty good draft to need edge talent. The Texans need all of that. And those, those are impact positions for Lovey. You know, he's trying if you're trying to recreate the Buccaneers where they had John Lynch and Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp and and all those guys, like you're not gonna get that overnight. You're probably not ever gonna get that again. But if you're trying to create a reasonable facsimile of it, this is a decent draft to try. Yeah, and that's that's definitely one of the things that is is interesting about this draft, like you mentioned, with the the different positions where there's more depth, where there's seems like it's it's not as a top heavy draft, but more so a longer draft of good quality players. You know, once you get past the top two or three guys, all the way down to like pick you know players sixty and seventy on the boards. That's like a big group of solid, very capable, draftable players there, and I think. I think that's going to give – I think Casario is probably going to use that to kind of move around a little bit in the draft. I mean, we've seen him move up and down last year in the draft, so I fully expect you know him attempt to try to get out of that number three spot. I just don't think there's very many teams that are looking to move up. But it seems pretty clear, at least for today, that it looks like – I know it looks like Hutchinson's going number one. Detroit, I know you're covering them it, – it, you thinking they're leaning on Thibodeau at this point, or is it still kind of up in the air on where they're going to go at number two? So I, I'm a little divergent here. I, I, I look, put it this way: Aiden Hutchinson will not be there at three because if he's there at two, he's a Detroit Lion. Okay. And I'm I'm of the opinion that I think I think the Jaguars. I think all this talk about Trayvon Walker going there is legit. I really do. Uh, I think his his high end athleticism. Look when you're when your player comparisons as an athletic. As an as an athletic feat for and your testing and your size, his two comparisons are JJ Watt and Miles Garrett. If you put those hands together, that's a damn good football player. <laughs> he hasn't played anywhere close to that yet. But you know, look at look at Trent Balky and his draft history when he was with the 49ers. It's hard to see him passing on that. It really is. If I were them personally, I would go offensive line. I'm, I'm taking Ikiakwanu or, or Evan Neal, um, probably Ikiakwanu, uh, if if I had my druthers there. But it doesn't seem like they're all that interested in doing that. So, you know, that's going to leave, you know, Detroit is certainly looking Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, there's just some talk of Walker, although that's been fairly muted and it's been more from the outside. Um, I will tell you this right now that I will be stunned, stunned if they take Malik Willis at two. That is something that you don't hear at all from anybody within Detroit. It's all external. Um, It it makes sense uh, on a level because, I mean, we we have Jared Goff here. That's not exactly going to get it done. 
but uh, the 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 GM, the coach, they really, really, really like Jared Goff to an unexplainable level, um, beyond beyond what 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 anybody would believe. So uh, that I, I hate to to cramp that down on people, but that 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 is the way it is. Uh, so yeah, that they're looking, you know, pass rush there too. So you're looking at at Hutchinson and either Walker or maybe Thibodeau. Um, I don't know. You probably you probably are going through this with with the Texans as well. Nobody really has a good feel on Thibodeau. Like he could go one, he could go two, he could go fifteen, it's, he could be there at thirteen. It, <laughs> the two biggest divide talking points among Texans tw- Twitter that I've been able to see is Kayvon Thibodeau and Kyle Hamilton. There's people that are just over the top on both players and think that the Texans should take one of those two at number three, if if especially if Thibodeau slid, slides past number two. And then there's a group that just calls Thibodeau Clowny 2.0 and he doesn't have the motor and he doesn't have, you know, he's just going to be not the player that you would expect at number three with that, using that much draft capital on him. And there's, you know, Kyle Hamilton, especially after after the forty time came out, and now it's the discussion point has been play speed versus actual measured speed game right. speed. You know, and, and that Kyle Hamilton, yeah, that number came in low, but he doesn't play that slow on the field, and it's been a huge divided talking point between those two players at number three. You know, it, there's a wide range of options for the Texans at number three. It's you know, there's a lot. It, there's a lot of folks who don't, well, I mean, no, nobody really knows what the team feels about on Titus Howard. You know, they've, they talked again. And that, that's a huge question that has to get answered because, you know, is he your right tackle? Is he your right guard? What, what's going to happen with him? That's, that's a, that decides what you're doing with your offensive line. Yeah. When they, they restructured tonsils. So that pretty much secure meant that he's not going anywhere this year. So that he's your left tackle. And, Howard was just atrocious at left guard. I don't think there's any fans in the Houston I would fan agree. base that wants to see <laughs> Howard back at left guard. So at that point, you're like, okay, he's got to play right tackle. But then you've got this glut of just very good tackles once you get past Hutchison and Thibodeau, you know, between Ikim and Ikemi and then uh, Charles Cross and, and Evan Neal. And it's just. A very if if the Texans needed a tackle, boy, this would be a good draft to get one. But at this point, it, there's some questioning whether or not do they just take another tackle and move move Howard back into guard and do this. What I can't stand when they say this: put the five best guys on the on the line, and that's not always going to make your best line. So no, it's not. <laughs> and you know, so I'm, you know, if at this point it's just. I agree with you. I think it's got to be edge. I don't know that a cornerback is going to go at number three. We see Stingley, you know, his name coming back up after his fantastic workout. Sus Gardner seems like just a very, very, very capable, very good cornerback. I think the ceiling on, on Stingley is a little bit higher. But there's a lot of fans that, that are now piqued by cornerback because of what Lovey Smith said today. And he spoke very clearly that he wants – a cornerback that to help this defense. I've never, for the first month of his tenure as head coach, all he talked about was pass rush and his defensive line. And then today he did a complete 180 when talking to the media and brought up cornerback unannounced, which was which is interesting. That's worth paying attention to. Yeah, 
Yeah, when coaches do it without being questioned about it, you know, that that's something to be had. So it almost feels like if the Texans can get out of that three spot and get down about four or five spots and then really make some make some moves, and I, it wouldn't shock me to see them go defense-defense in the first round at this point. You know, they definitely need the cornerback. They definitely need safety help. They talked – he talked highly about his safeties, you know, as about as highly as you can talk about Eric Murray and, and Jonathan Owens, but – um, yeah, he talked like highly about Murray. that. He's a good guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they got him to restructure his contract this year, so you know that was good for them to bring some money down on that. But they they also need interior pass rush. They, I mean, they they have Malik Collins, they have Roy Lopez and Jonathan Gennard on the defensive line. Gennard's going to be their edge rusher. They signed a free agent. I'm I'm probably going to butcher his name, Okoyo. Okoyo Ronquo out of uh, Los Angeles. Ronquo. Yeah. yeah. He's a very, very small, but he's only about 240 pounds. But Lovey was talking today about him being an edge guy rushing the passer. So I, didn't, I thought he was going to be coming as an off ball linebacker, but they're talking to him playing edge. But, you know, the. Yeah, you, none, don't, you never want him to play the run. So. Right. Yeah. I think he's <laughs> just going to be another version. He's going to be run. another version of Jacob Martin. The way I the way I yeah. see it, he's going to be a speedy That's guy on the exactly edge right. and get swallowed up in the run. So, at this point, you need interior pass rush. You need you need defensive line players, and there's you know some very good interior defensive line players on you know towards the second half of the first round and on day two. So, it's just it's really going to be how this draft falls after you get past those first five or six picks, and then to see it what 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 Casario and Lovey Smith value more? Is it going to be valuing the cornerback or is it going to be valuing pass rush? And we've, we talk about this on the spaces all the time of how the team's going to value pass rush versus coverage and how the two intertwine and which one's more important, you know, whereas Casario coming from new England, they put a little, little more emphasis on coverage versus pass rush, but Lovey's always been a, a pass rush kind of guy. So it will be interesting to see what they have there. So what what yeah. what what other cornerbacks could the team be looking at beyond Stingley and Gardner? You know, once they get past pick three, but like at pick thirteen, pick thirty seven, what who are some other options there at cornerback to be looking at? Yeah, so most people are going to think this is early for him, but Andrew Booth out of Clemson needs to be in consideration at at thirteen. That guy can really really play. I think everybody sort of chalks this up as a lost year for Clemson. Well, this guy played fantastic. Um, it wasn't his fault that their defense sort of fell apart from from what you expect from Clemson. He's 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 also not the fastest guy in the world, um, but man, he's he's got. And the thing that you like about him, he's able to play the ball when it's in the air, and that's something that you know if you've watched Lovey's defenses. They attack the ball in the air, and and you might you might give a little bit of space, and, and it might be you know coming out of a zone, um, and he might be a little bit more of a man corner, but there there's a lot to like with him. You know, you get into the second day. I'm a big Roger McCreary fan out of Auburn. I know he I know he's short. I know he's got shorter arms than you want. Um, I think he actually has the second shortest arms in this draft. I think it was like 29 and a quarter or something like that. And I saw him in Mobile. Uh, and it, it it's legit. Like his arms really are short. <laughs> they look that way in person. But man, if you watch him against Alabama, if you watch him 
against Tennessee. You know, you watch him when when they played Mississippi. Like that guy, that guy just gets it. Like he's he's got a lot of dog in him, and I, I can see Lovey liking him. And and that's a guy that you would be taking in the second round. You know, third round, you're starting to get a little bit deep. You're getting into more progress. Uh, excuse me, project guys there. Uh, Tariq Woolen, if he's there from UTSA, you know, superb athlete, not that great of a cornerback yet, um, but you can see the glimpses of it. And you can see why teams like him. Um, uh, who's a uh, Kair Elam from, yeah, from Florida? Yeah, that name's he, getting a lot of he's run. A, he's a really good scheme fit um, because he can play off. He can play zone. He can play, you know, as, as a sort of a robber. He can move inside if you need to. He can be. He can double as a safety if you need him to, um, like like his his uncle and brother have been. Like this guy, he, th- there's a lot to like about him. I have a feeling he's going to wind up going in like the 20s. So that that's sort of a, a weird area, you know. So if you're able to to manipulate the board, you know, if you can fall back from three. Um, now now keep in mind the Lions just really want to move back from two. The Giants are have basically put a for sale sign on the number five spot. So yeah. <laughs> And 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 who are they going to be coming up for is the big question. Um, I'm not I'm not sold that any of those trades are going to happen. Um, of course, as I say that, they'll announce something tomorrow where the Saints have packaged their two picks, and you know they're now picking fourth because um, that's that's the way this offseason goes. That was a <laughs> but, weird. Uh, that was a weird trade that Philly and, and the Saints did. I I, was, I still don't understand what the Saints got out of that, but. I yeah, I, we I, I've I've been having a lot of conversations with people about, it, and nobody's really sure. Like, why why would you make that move without knowing who's on the board? Like, there's obviously a next to it, right? And yeah. we're just all wondering what that next is. Yeah, um, and yeah, they could be quarterback. They could be they could be moving up, um, possibly to get the top wide receiver. Who knows? Um, they they also could use a cornerback. Um, with depending on what happens with Marshawn Lattimore. Yep. You know, so there, there's like I'm a big Sauce fan. I like Sauce a lot. He's my number three overall player. Mm-hmm. Would I take him at number three? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> what's, the, I, I, what's the read on Trent McDuffie? Uh, he he's probably going to be gone by thirty. Was it thirty four, thirty five? Uh, yeah, I, I don't see him lasting off. I think he's another guy that's probably going to go in that. You know. 15 to 25 overall range. He didn't, didn't have the greatest um, measurements, but man, that guy can really play too. And uh, he played without the benefit of pass rush at Washington. They just didn't, didn't have a lot of it. Uh, so, so he is, he's scheme versatile and ready to get into the NFL right, right there too. So he's a good one. You know, I, I probably would wait as much as I do like sauce Gardner. And I think that his attitude is something that, Lovey can work with, um, like, like that guy. He gave himself the nickname Sauce because he covers the receivers. I mean, that that that, that that's saucy, no pun intended. But uh, it's uh, it, it's great, uh, and I, I like that. I, I think that brings some identity to your team, and that's something. I mean, when you look at the Houston Texans from afar right now, you're like, what are they like? I don't know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> what, what, what are they trying to be? And that's a guy who can give you an identity. And I'm not sure that anybody else really gives you that at three. Maybe, maybe Thibodeau does, but there there's some risk there. Um, like you said, there there's a lot of worries about him being clowny 2.0. And Texas fans should be acutely sensitive to that because it, it honest to God, it, it fits like, 
there, there's a lot to like with Kayvon Thibodeau, but man, there's a lot of there's a lot of prolonged stretches where he does nothing. And I don't think that it's lack of effort either. I'm just not sure that he's that good. Like his his splash plays are fantastic, but his his play to play to play, you know, over the course of a game, you're only getting like three or four really good plays, and the rest of the time he's just kind of there. Like he's he's like the the meme with the, the you know, poking him with the stick, like do something. And and you know uh, when he wasn't playing bad offensive linemen, he didn't really do a lot. So th- there's some risk with that. That personally, I wouldn't be comfortable taking him at three. Uh, I'm not comfortable with the Lions taking him at two either. Uh, but he at 13, at 13, you got to take him. Oh yeah, uh, at that he, point because yeah, the, the, he fell down that and, far. And, yeah, and he could be honestly, he could last that long because it doesn't sound like the Giants are interested. It doesn't sound like like the Panthers are interested. Uh, the Jets, you can never rule out what the Jets are going to do because they they're they're crazy. But <laughs> it doesn't seem like they really want him either. Like they're they're sort of looking in other spots. So. You know, weirder things have happened, and you know that's one of those where if he's fallen and it's the, it's ten, and you're looking and you're Houston and you got well, I got I got all these picks like day two, like let's put thirteen and and you know one of our thirds, um and and see if we can get up to ten and take him, and that makes a lot of sense to me, yeah. and I think that would make a lot of sense to Nick Casario too. Yeah, I would agree with that definitely. So it'd be that's that just go, you know it goes back to the what we were talking about earlier. Just I think the board the draft board order or every every team's big board is probably drastically different this year as compared to previous previous drafts is the kind oh, of read that I've, that I've gotten this year so I wanted to jump over to edge rushers you know we talked about Trayvon Walker you know how he's kind of been flying up the boards but if if Texans didn't go edge at three and and we're sitting there at 13 what are some of the names that would intrigue you at that spot? It seems oh, like man. Jermaine Johnson. Seems Jermaine to be, Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no question about it. Uh, he had he had just a phenomenal year, and the thing that I liked is that he was better in November than he was in September. Like, obviously, you know, transferring from Georgia to Florida State, he's got to get acclimated. That guy really made a statement, and then he backed it up. Um, I've I've been going to the the Senior Bowl. I've been every year but two since 2008. He was the best defensive player I've ever seen in Mobile. Um, he was that dominant in practices. Like nobody could block him, nobody could could handle him when he when he was so moving in space. Like that that guy, he was a different cat. And I like I like the fact that he's already overcome the little obstacle. Like he was kind of you know part of a, a you know a, you know a, a cog in the wheel. In, in Georgia, and then he became the man, and he wore it really well, and he's still ascending as a talent. So if he's there at thirteen, um, even if you take somebody, even if you get Trayvon Walker or Kayvon Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson at three, like you can double up there. Like you're yeah. you're not you're not not taking him because you got Jonathan Greenard. Like that's just not what you're going to do. Um, if he's the highest impact talent, and he very well should be at thirteen. Uh, you you run to the podium with that name on on the card. What about early day two names at the edge position? Yeah, so George Karloftis probably tested his way out of that, but he would have been a really good fit. Uh, I like his game a lot. He he's and he is really good against the run and and gives you a little bit of a different look. He's a guy that can can kick inside. 
uh, when when Lovey wants to do with the, the whole NASCAR package and and do pretty well at that. But I, I think he's going to be gone. So now you're looking at a guy like Boye Mafe from Minnesota who doesn't have a lot of stats. Uh, didn't necessarily. <laughs> he, he's another one. The, the, his splash plays are incredible, but there's not enough of them over the course of a game. And when he's not making the splash plays, like Thibodeau, it's like. <laughs> Dude, like, really? You know, like, do something, <laughs> and and uh, and and some of that to his credit. And and I, I actually talked to PJ Fleck on a, on a radio interview not too long ago. Um, PJ took some credit for that, for, or for or some blame for that, responsibility for that. He's like, you know, we asked him to do things that don't necessarily showcase what he does best and what he will do well in the NFL. And, you know, P.J. Fleck is a polarizing guy, but I trust him. Um, I, I've known him since he was the coach at Western Michigan. He's a straight shooter. So when he tells you that, I, I, I believe him. So I, I think that the ceiling is probably a little bit higher there than, than what some might think it is. Uh, he's a good one. I like Cameron Thomas from, from San Diego State a lot. I'm not sure that he's the best fit for Lovey, though. I, I, he's just not that... You know, he, he and Logan Hall um, from Houston are both guys that... that you know, they're probably better as as five techniques um, than straight, uh, you know, yeah. nine tech defensive ends. Um, Logan Logan probably actually belongs further inside than that. But Thomas is he's an interesting cat because he's he's the size that you would expect for a lovey defensive end. But he kind of played hovering over, you know, the guard and, and they moved him around a little bit. He played some off ball. Um, I think it. Uh, my take on what Lovey wants is he, he wants the flamethrower. He wants the guy who can beat the tackle around the corner, corner and get in and disrupt and force force the quarterback step to up. either roll out, step out, or step up into interior pressure, which yeah. you talked about is something that you also have to develop. And uh, I, I'm not sure that Cameron Thomas is that kind of guy. He's a good player. But, uh, yeah, no, David Ojabo from Michigan uh, – I'll, I'll be blunt here. I think he was overrated even before the injury. Uh, I, I, I have seen him play in person. I've seen him. He benefited much more from Aiden Hutchinson than Aiden Hutchinson benefited from him. Um, that was that was that was abundantly clear when you watch Michigan football, uh, especially in the Big House. Uh, like the, the the straw that stirred the drink was Aiden Hutchinson. It was not David Ajabo. He's a spectacular athlete. He's not a spectacular football player. He benefited from having a spectacular football player on the other side, and now you're not going to have him for a year. So, honestly, the Texans are in a good spot to take a risk like that. Like, if he falls to your second day two pick, like, then, okay, you know what? All right, delayed gratification. You know, we're only going to have him for three years on his rookie contract, but by that time, you know, if he's developing his game, working on, you know, you're hoping that your coaching staff can bring him along with the mental reps. Um, and your trainers will get him ready to go. And hopefully he's, you know, by the end of November, you know, he's at least back out on the practice field. And maybe he shows something at the very end of the year. So you get him in the last couple of weeks just to get his feet wet. And then then you turn him loose in 2023. That makes sense to me for Houston. It doesn't necessarily make sense for me for a, a team that's sort of trying to win now. But look, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I think everybody listening to this knows it. I think the Texans are going to the playoffs in 2022. I just don't. No, I think it's fair to say that this is probably going to be a, a repeat of last year on the wins. But I think what fans are looking for out of this draft is just some building pieces, some foundation pieces to yeah. to, to something to get excited about. Because you know, the last draft, everybody's everybody's ecstatic with the results that the team got out of the 2021 draft class. 
but those players were third round and, and beyond. And it's, it's great to see what they got out of Nico Collins. Roy Lopez seems to be a steal out of the sixth round. And Nico Collins yep. is a very good wide receiver and has the capability and a high ceiling, but there's just none of that glory of a foundation first round talent that you got last year. So that's what I think the fans are really looking forward to. And you're, you were mentioning earlier, your son really big at being big into the Rockets. That's, I think, the perception of the Rockets for this versus the Texans is the Rockets at least have like, you know, they have Jalen green and the foundation there for the Texans yeah. just don't quite have that yet. So one other, I, I really don't know if he's an edge rusher or an off ball linebacker that Nick Bonito out of Oklahoma. He's, he's, oh, a smaller he's, he's, guy. he's an edge. Okay. He's he small. <laughs> yeah. He's, he is, uh, he's a very good pass rusher. Uh, and he can, he's a guy that wins almost exclusively with speed uh, he does not play the run well at all. Uh, so if you're like, if you're looking for a guy that's going to you know get you sixty tackles and you know ten TFLs against the run, that ain't him. If you want a guy that's going to get you know a pressure rate that that's above average and, and be able to impact the passer like we talked about, he can do that. Um, and that that's one of the reasons why he's going to be there on on the third round or possibly even late into the you know early in the in the fourth round. Just, he, he's he's really one dimensional, but he's really good at that one dimension. Uh, that is a guy who will bring you some excitement. He brings some juice, man. And that's another guy. He plays with a little bit of attitude to him. You know, you, you understand the swagger factor with him. Um, that's not for everybody, but I'll tell you, I, I think Houston misses that a little bit. You know, and I, I would like to see that. So I do see we have some requests out there, Ralph V. Vera, just hang tight. I've got a couple more positions I want to get Jeff's opinion on, and then we'll we'll catch some questions toward the end of this. So, an an area that hasn't, or at least that I have noticed, that hasn't been really discussed too heavily among the Houston folks is offensive guard. The team has, even if, you, if they decide to move back Howard back at guard, we all know that that's not a very good situation. And after that, it's AJ Can, who they signed out of Jacksonville, which does nothing for me and a Justin McCray and a, a Max Sharping as your cards. And so, Oof. yeah. So in, you know, to, putting that outside on the, on the each side of, of old man, Justin Britt at center is just, it's just setting up Davis mills for failure and it's setting up the run game for failure. And so maybe not so as pick 37, but, you know, team has the the Texans do have pick sixty eight and eighty in the third round. Are there any quality guards that the team could be looking at right there in that range? Yeah, that's that's not a bad area at all, really. Um, Ed Ingram from LSU is a plug and play guy. Nothing spectacular, but he's going to get the job done for you. Uh, you know, uh, I liked Cole Strange out of Chattanooga. I think he's probably going to wind up being a center. But that, that's the range where he's going to go. And it's he's a deal. He played guard. So maybe he plays guard for a year and then takes over for Britt at center. Now, that, that's something that we've seen a lot of teams do, actually. And I think that that's that might be I think that might be a good way for him to go. He had never snapped the ball before he got the mobile at the senior bowl. By the end of the week, he was like the teams were looking like, wow, that guy's. That, that's a third round talent, like coming from Chattanooga, you know, FCS program and, and never playing it before that. He, he's got the game tape to back that up. So he's a good one. Um, uh, Salyer from Georgia can play anywhere. Um, I actually like him as a sixth lineman. You know, one of those guys where, you know, if, if your right tackle gets hurt in week two, 
he can start there for two weeks. And then your left guard gets hurt, and he can start there for three weeks if you need him to. I'm not sure he's a full-time starter, but you need guys like that too. Um, yeah. Because right now that guy's pretty much Max Sharping, and that, that ain't working. <laughs> no, the team was very, very disappointed in Sharping last year. The 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 rumor mill on him was once he got married, he he got, <laughs> I hate to say it's such a such really? a cliche, but once he got married, he got a little soft. So. The team wow. just was got very disappointed in him last year. So, but maybe things will turn around. You know, they got another offensive, new offensive line coach with George, George Warhop, and I, I'm not very familiar with him. So we'll just he was of, the Jaguars. He's he's coached yeah. Ken before, hasn't he? Yeah, yes. yeah. That's where that came from. He's coached in quite a few places, so he's got a lot of a lot of experience, a lot of respect. But yeah, I think Ken came over partly due to George Warhop. So I'm not penciling in Cam as. AJ can as the as the starter at left guard at this time or right guard whichever one he slots in at but uh, he'll definitely have a shot at it and at this point it looks like Charlie Heck would probably be your uh, your swing tackle you know he he played admirably at right tackle the second half of last season but the team definitely definitely needs some some dogs on the interior for the run game at least because the the run blocking was just absolutely atrocious in 2020. Yeah, you need some people movers in there. And you can get like um, uh, Cam Jorgens from Nebraska is probably a little bit later. That guy can move people. Uh, there, there's uh, uh, what's his? Oh, Chris Paul. I should I should know that name uh, from Tulsa. Everybody talks about the the tackle from Tulsa, who I think is getting a little yeah. overhyped. Ooh, Chris but, Paul, 323. That is a big boy. He 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 also uh, has. Some some serious people moving skills. He is not a guy who's ever going to get out and engage a linebacker in space, but he's going to move the defensive tackle. He's going to wall him off. He's going to you know create the seal. If you're if you're watching the old Vince party video, yep. he's good at that. So uh, you know, uh, not not the best in pass protection, but if you're looking to, to upgrade your run game, and you should be, then yeah, he, he's a guy that fits in. He's probably fifth round maybe maybe fourth round so you know you can you can find some guys there it's also a really good year for like the late developmental guys uh on the interior offensive line uh this guy from uh from baylor one of them uh, xavier newman johnson i think has a bright future there uh the guy that, that i've followed quite a bit up here at, at western michigan mike caliendo he's not going to be in any of your draft guys but he's a four-year starter for a run heavy program uh, he knows what he's doing. He's got short arms. He's not as big as you want him to be. The guy, he he is a very, very polished, ready player. I would love to see him get a shot. I'm going to pimp him on every show that I get on. So uh, this uh, he, everybody will be exposed to Mike Caliendo, who's one of my favorite college football players. Four-year academic All-American. Uh, he's he's already got a uh, actually five-year uh, starter uh, because he used the extra year. Um, that that's the guy that I'm hoping gets a shot, and uh, I, I hope that the, the the word spreads a little bit on him. Yeah. So one other position before we get to questions, I didn't think we'd be able to cover every position tonight, but one that's been a hot topic in 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 Houston is running back, and I know this is probably going to disappoint a lot of people when I say this. I'm not entirely sure this year. I'm not talking about talent and draft class this year versus talent and draft class next year. I'm just talking about from where the team is at and the value of a running back. I don't know that this is the year you want to invest heavily in a running back as this team has critical needs everywhere and running back careers tend to be quite short 
And so yeah. I almost wonder with what would you want to spend pull a David Gettleman and spend I'm not saying a first, but spend decent draft capital on a running back on a team that's probably not going to win more than six games this year instead of just using that that draft pick on another position and then look at look at running back next year. So what are your thoughts on that and where the yeah. Texans are in their terms of rebuild and investing in a running back this year or versus the future? And then we'll talk about a few names as well. You know, there, there's no such thing as a developmental running back. There's just not. So if you need a running back, you take one. You don't take it before the third round, especially in this draft. Um, as much as I like Kenneth Walker and I like Brees Hall, like you're not taking them now. <laughs> you're, you're just not. If you're Houston and if you're a lot of other teams, that that's that's one of those finishing touch pieces that you add. Like if if you're if you're looking for a a second running back to to be insurance, but also to like maybe take over you know mid season or whatever. Those are the guys you're looking at. I I would much rather upgrade the offensive line, um, get a better tight end room because I think that's going to help the run blocking as well. Yep. And that that's where I would go before I would go running back. Like you can find running backs all over the place. So in Detroit last year. Uh, they signed a guy named Craig Reynolds. Uh, off I the remember screen. that. Yeah, he would. Yeah, it's like back half of the season. Just, he wound just, up. He wound up being so much better than DeAndre Swift yeah. as a runner. Yeah. Um. Not as not as an all around back, but as an actual runner. Like he blows DeAndre Swift away. They found the guy off the street. Like the Colts didn't want him anymore. Yeah. Uh, the, the 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 Lions rewarded him with the two year. You can find guys like that. And one of the reasons why he has success is because the Lions have built their offensive line. They, are, they have a fantastic run-blocking offensive line, and that's how they improve their run game more than it was getting talent at threat running back. So I, I'm with you on that. I would I would hold off on running back until, look, maybe you get lucky and you find another Arian Foster. That can happen too. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, the, 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 there's experience with that. Uh, I actually, I, I kind of like the Marlon Mack signing. I, I thought that was like a nice he, little move, so he, I'm, not, I, I'm not opposed to that. I was I wasn't as excited as majority of the other fans. Um, I just mean Achilles injuries. You know, it, it's not very promising. Yeah, the, the history for running backs and coming back from Achilles is not very. It's a very low percentage. But I mean, the team. You know, obviously Nick doesn't listen to my listen to these spaces very often because he did not take my <laughs> advice on running back by not signing a single one in free agency, and just doing like ten undrafted running backs. Or, you know, a couple day three picks and, and the rest undrafted. But, you know, they signed Dare back, who was an undrafted guy way back in the day for the Texans. Dario Gomboale and then uh, Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead's still here. And, you know, it's just kind of amazing longevity. It's it's crazy he's carved out the career that he yeah. has. And then, <laughs> for some reason, Royce Freeman at his overweight brought I him don't back. Get that one at I don't want to get that either. And they gave him. Eight, eight, eight hundred ninety-five thousand guaranteed, which I know is a small number by all by salary cap standards, but it's just the fact that they did that. I mean, it just they they are continuing this narrative at the running back position, and it makes me wonder if they're really going to draft a running back any earlier than day three. I think a lot of fans might be disappointed in that. A lot of fans are really looking at the the Kenneth Walkers and the Bryce Hall, and just to you know bring that juice as they say to the running back room, but I'm with you. I'm, I'm just not entirely sure that's where you want to spend your money at this point. More sort of say money 
draft pick money. So, you know, I think there's, like you said, I mean, in tight end, I didn't really have the team needs a tight end as well. I mean, they, Brevin Jordan is their move guy. And then beyond that, it's Farrell Brown, which was unimpressive last year. Anthony Auclair, who's just an inline guy. And it's yeah. very unimpressive as well there. So, um, we've had some people patiently waiting. I had a million other talking points, but we only have so much time to, to discuss. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll take some questions. So, you know, just remind everybody here that this is recorded. You know, we, 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 I redistribute this as a podcast. So let's try to keep it remotely clean, uh, remotely clean. So we'll go to, to V first. He'd been waiting the longest and we'll go to, uh, Ralph and then Vera. So let's get V in here. I think he knows what to do. He's used to these spaces. Take yourself off. There you go. What's up, V? Hey, uh, thanks. Um, I, I've got two questions. One of them is a cap question. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the first one is about who shall not be named. But, um, the question that I have is I was under the impression when a guaranteed contract happens, that the owner has to immediately put all the money into the NFL PA um, in an escrow account. Yet I read on a blog post that um, Watson's contract was not guaranteed until the second year um, in terms of, and that's when he had to give that money. Hassam had, didn't have to give that money until the second year. Um, I know that's not necessarily as relevant, but it's just curiosity. My relevant question, though, about Sauce is, do you not consider his inability to tackle an issue of picking him at three? Yeah, so let me let me do the cap thing real quick. So, yeah, whenever they have whenever they have guaranteed salary, you know, and there's there's three pieces to a guarantee. There's there's cap, injury, and and skill. And so if the if the salary is guaranteed for all three pieces of that the team must put a percentage and the the percentage amount escapes me but they have to put a percentage of that amount into escrow so they have to put in Watson's case they have to put so what was a 44 million dollar signing bonus so what is that 180 180 and change in guaranteed salary that they have to put a portion of that into escrow protected escrow to cover that to cover that salary so yes they teams have been utilizing that as a reason not to guarantee salaries that was a rule that came out from the 80s when teams were having trouble covering salaries back when the nfl wasn't as popular but nowadays with these teams pulling in hundreds of millions of dollars per year just from just from benefits and TV contracts and things like that, they have plenty of money to cover it, but there still is a, an escrow guarantee, an escrow portion to it to answer that question. But I'll, I'll let Jeff dig into to your sauce question. Yeah. And, and it's, it's especially pertinent with lovey because lovey loves to have, and, and you have to be able to tackle and stop the run when you're a lovey Smith cornerback, when you're a Tampa two cornerback, you, that, that that's one of the reasons why Rondé Barber was so fantastic for them. Uh, and sauce does, he tries, um, <laughs> he's never good at it. That, that, that's being kind. I want, I want to say that there was 11 missed tackles 
Um, that that number not might not be accurate, but he's certainly not. It's certainly not amongst his list of assets when you're going over Sauce Gardner. What he's good at tackling ain't one of them. And yeah, that that would give me some pause for Houston. Um, I, I'll say this though. Stingley isn't a great tackler either. Um, he he's a little bit better at like he's actually going to get if he gets his hands on you, you're probably going to go down. That guy has some weird angles in pursuits, and I'm not sure that that's that's the best fit either. But but you're not taking a cornerback that high, worrying about their run defense. Just as you're not worried, like if you're taking a pass rusher at three, you don't care if they can play the run all that well. Like it's it's better if they can, but that's not going to be like a deal killer. Like if 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 you can get the guy that's going to you know get you 15 and a half sacks, but he's not good against playing. Like Trey, Trey Hendrickson is a great example of that. Trey Hendrickson has no clue how to play the run. He does. He, I, I saw him. He literally did not understand the signal for cover. Like as a linebacker, like you know, wiping your hand in front of your face. Like that means you're going dropping in coverage. He's like, what? <laughs> but but he, he can go get the quarterback. So it, it's a trade-off, and Sauce is so so good in coverage that. It, it's going to be overlooked, but it, it is a valid point. He is not a good tackler, and that will be something, uh, especially with Lovey, because you know you've got to have those cornerbacks who can crash in because those safeties are committed to going on the outside. If you can't, you can't handle that. That you're you're not you're going to be in his doghouse. So that that's a very valid point with Sauce. All right, V. I appreciate it. You got anything else, buddy? No, thank you for answering both questions. No problem. Have a good night. Let's see, remove from speakers. All right, Ralph. Saints forecast. Go ahead and take yourself off mute, sir. Hey, yeah, guys, thanks for having me. I was I was curious, you know, you guys had talked about what the Saints are doing with that trade. We're all worrying, wondering about it as Saints fans. But I was curious with you guys, how flexible do you think the Texans are going to be with willing to trade down in that as Saints fans we know Mickey Loomis has traded up like it's like 15 or 16 times since he's been general manager and well we're always targeting these teams that could possibly be move up spots and I know the Saints and the Texans have have dealt with each other in the last you know what they, they had the Ingram trade and they had the Roby trade the, Rob, yeah. the Roby. so I think they the Texans will be willing to move down, maybe not in the first, but the second, third. Do you think they're going to be very willing, Nick Casario? Do you think he's going to be willing to do that? Yes, as yeah. long as the value, long as the value is appropriate, I think Casario is more than willing to move down to give him more more darts at the dartboard, as per se. You know, yeah, I, and I think that I think that's really especially true on day two. Um, where he's going to have to recoup some of the lost capital there. And the, the, the Texans have a lot of capital to give away there. So if they want to defer it, you know, where they're not paying, where you're not going to have five rookies or six rookies in the top 100 on your payroll. And, you know, that's a massive influx of, of people on your team. You might want to spread that out over another season. I, I know there's extra picks in 2023 as well, but maybe maybe you want to, to, to buy that back a little bit. That, that makes, certainly makes a lot of sense from a Texans standpoint and from a Saints standpoint. Yeah, and I think that, that pick 37 is ripe for a trade-down spot, in my opinion, especially with the – the quality talent that we we talked about earlier being there in that pick twenty to to forty five range, I think that pick thirty seven is ripe for a trade down spot. Yeah, I mean it's just gonna be it's just gonna be really interesting to see. I mean the 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 feeling that we get is the Saints they don't want a quarterback, 
They don't want to trade up for a quarterback, but they wanted that extra first round pick because they really love this draft. And they feel like if they don't get a tackle at 16 or 19, the difference between the qualities of tackles that you get in the first round to where they get at 49, they won't get a player that can start. So they feel like if they get an extra pick, they get you can get a tackle, they can get a receiver, they can get they maybe they get the quarterback at 19. Um, and there's a and they're, they're they're feeling there's a feeling in New Orleans that they're going to get some picks for Sean Payton. So whatever they paid the Eagles down the line, they'll make it back when Sean Payton comes back to coach them. But guys, thank you, for, thank you for answering my question. I appreciate it. All right, Ralph, I appreciate it, buddy. All right, Vera, you're coming up next. Oops, hit the wrong button. That's my rule. <laughs> All right, Vera, what you got, man? Hey, guys, um, thank you for this. Um, so if the Texans decide to go building the trenches or um, go all defense on day one with their two first-round picks, where is a realistic – so I have a two-part question. So where is a realistic possibility for them to, let's say, take a wide receiver? I know they just re-signed Brandon Cooks for a two-year deal, but that shouldn't still stop them from maybe going with a wide receiver um, day two or you know, early – well, day two. Um, you know, they can get somebody like a George Pickens or John Mechie or Alex Pierce. I'm thinking of some Alec Pierce. I'm thinking of somebody maybe on the outside because I know Nick likes more experienced folks doing the slot slot uh, wide receiver. The the part two um, of this thing is it's believed, I guess, based on what little we know with Pep's offense, it's going to be like a power or gap scheme where they're going to need more classical Y-type, big-bodied tight ends. So, um, Jeff, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on maybe um, would somebody like a Jeremy Ruckert, Kid Orton, or even later on day three, the likes of uh, Charlie Kolar or James Mitchell, would they be like good fits for this kind of a system? Thanks. Go ahead, yeah, Jeff. good question. Yeah, I'll, I'll do the, the tight end one first. I'm a huge Jeremy Ruckert fan. I think he's underappreciated. I don't think that Ohio State used him to the best of his abilities uh, and he can get out and catch the catch the ball a lot. If if you're looking at him, it was a 108. I, I think the Texans have, yep. and yep. or or the pick right after that, and, and he could be there. Yeah, that that's a good time to tap in. I like this tight end class a lot. There's no like elite guy. There's a lot like I'm, I'm doing my my overall big board. I think my top one I have Isaiah Likely at 51, but then I have like nine before I get to 125. Like they're they're all kind of clustered in there. And Rutgers near the top of that. Um, uh, who else do I like in that range? Let me look at my big boy here. Uh, Kolar, who you mentioned from Iowa State, kind of a do-it-all tight end. I, uh, I, I talked to Anthony Becht a couple of days ago, and he is huge on him, the former Buccaneers tight end um, he, and, and Jets tight end. He's very big on Charlie Kolar. He thinks he's going to be like a potential Pro Bowl player. Uh, so, uh, who am I going to argue with, with, <laughs> with Anthony Pact? So, uh, yeah, that, that, that guy can, that, there's some definite potential there. He's a little bit more of a receiver, um, but he can block, but yeah, there, there's some guys, James Mitchell from, from Virginia Tech that you mentioned, he's a good one. Um, I, I'll even give you a, a developmental one and I'll, I'll use this as a shameless plug for, uh, for my alma mater, Ohio university. 
our backup quarterback, Armani Rogers, is transitioning to the tight end, and he looked really dang good at it at the Shrine Game practices or Shrine Bowl. It is now. Um, he'd never played the position before. He was a former option quarterback at UNLV, transferred to Ohio, couldn't throw very well. He had hit a 96-yard run last year, and if you can watch it on on YouTube or Twitter or whatever, look it up. He's got the frame, um, sort of like Tyree Jackson, who uh, came out of Buffalo uh, a couple of years ago and is now a tight end for the for the Eagles, um, Logan Thomas with, with Washington, he's the next in that line. I wouldn't bet against that guy. And that's the guy that you can get in the seventh runner as an undrafted free agent. Believe it or not, he can block. Like he actually did some lead blocking for Ohio, um, in, in some option packages. That's a guy that that's late. Um, it's a really good, like, like I said, it's a great tight end class. It's just not top heavy. Oh, did you cut off or that was it? Oh, yep. It was weird. It's like, shut up. So as for the wide receiver part, I don't know. I I don't know that a wide receiver is going to be as high up on, on the radar for the Texans. The part we've talked about it on here before is I personally haven't not been able to figure out what type of slot wide receiver Pep Hamilton wants. If he wants the shifty guy that's going to work underneath, or if he's looking for more vertical type of, type of uh slot wide receiver and it seems like philip dorsett and uh they took a flyer on deshaun hamilton out of coming off of denver coming off injury as well that mm-hmm. probably be your top two slot wide receivers to start camp depending on who they draft as well so yeah i don't know that they're going to invest that heavily i think there's other areas that they probably need to invest before they look at wide receiver but it would not hurt my feelings one single bit if they took a, a wide receiver on day two or day three as well i mean like i said yeah, in the I'm beginning this team needs all the help all the depth they can get everywhere across the board so i think you're perfectly fine with that as well so yeah i'm, I'm fine with that um I, I i'll tell you a guy that i like is bo melton out of rutgers Day, day three guy. Um, he actually got some talk when we were up in Indianapolis at the Combine. Uh, that some teams see him as a running back. Like, he's got that kind of movement skills. Certainly a return guy. He can play out of the slot. That That's the guy that I would like to see in Houston. I think he'd look pretty good there. Yeah, and this and it, that's a good thing to mention is special teams is, is always going to be a, a high-value aspect of piece of this a part of this roster. And whether it's wide receivers, linebackers, running backs who who has special teams value that you can get up on day three, even if it's a late day two pick or an early day three pick and they start out more special teams and develop into the starting roster 2023-2024, that's something to be looked at as well. Vera, you got anything else, buddy? Um, no, I was going to say I think with your Ohio State uh, quarterback turn tight end might be better than Jeff Driscoll. Hey. <laughs> Hey, yes, we we don't tolerate Jeff Driscoll slander on here. I'm just kidding. I don't want to understand the whole Jeff Driscoll thing. I appreciate it. Now he's back at quarterback, right? Yeah, I think he's back at quarterback now. For now, we'll see. Appreciate it, Vera. <laughs> Jeff, you doing okay on time? Yeah, I'm good for a few more minutes here. Right, anyways, we got got about five more minutes. We'll go to Jeff and then uh, Alex Hill, and then we'll we'll probably close it down after that. So St. John Jeff says connecting. Good. What's going on, man? All right. Well, you know, I got two two questions right quick. Okay. One is I'm the the Kyle Hampton junkie yeah. on 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 this Texan thing. Yeah. <laughs> how, how do you how do you view him, and how can he change the Texan defense if they draft him at three? 
Oh, he's, he's, so I, 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 I'm writing it up for real GM. It'll be published hopefully Friday. If I ever finally get time to do it um, with kids sports and stuff. Uh, I compared it to John Lynch uh, because he's, he's got that kind of size. John Lynch was, was a very big safety for his day. He was six foot two, 220 pounds, saw the field incredibly well, didn't have like lights out speed, but because he understood what was going to be happening, he was cerebral. He was very quick to react and he trusted his eyes. It made him play faster. That's exactly what Kyle Hamilton is. And the other thing I like about Kyle Hamilton and, and one of the reasons why I would love to see him even three, three is a little early, but man, like I, I saw him at Notre Dame at a game and, and the way that he led on the sideline, the presence that he had, the the deference that the other players had to him and that the coaches let him do it like that says a lot to me like that that guy like natural leader as a safety like that that that's not a quality that you see a lot of um, it, it's it's in the ed reed pantheon i know ed reed's a bad word in houston but the ed reed that was good that the, the texans were hoping that they were getting back in the day um <laughs> he's got that kind of you know charisma to him uh, and he's so good. The the only real hole that I have is he's probably not going to run with the fastest tight end all the way down the field, but that's why you have a pass rush. And the other thing is he he is going to, like, he's he's big. He's got long legs. It, it takes him a little bit more time to, to change directions, uh, and, or, and he is vulnerable to some cutbacks and then some quicker running backs. But, again, that's why you have linebackers in front of him that you hopefully can take care of those things. He's a game-changing talent, in my opinion. Um, he's probably not my first choice at number three, but I absolutely would not be upset at all if he, if you wound up being the number three pick. All right, yeah. Second right. question. So my, uh, linebackers. I, I like I like Quan Walker a lot, and Lovey Smith is their defense. Always need linebackers, and we don't have anybody no linebackers that, that can go for three or four years from now. So who's who's a good second round, third round good linebacker this team can be? Can head to take this defense going forward. Oh man, if if Nicobe Dean is there at thirty seven and he could be, that that's the guy that you want uh, because Lovey Lovey doesn't care so much about size; he cares about speed, speed to the ball. Speed. And, and so Nicobe, he didn't test, uh, and one of the reasons why he didn't test is because uh, he probably wasn't going to test all that well. But that's another guy you watch him play. Does he look slow to you? No, <laughs> he's got plenty of, of range. Uh, and, and again, because he's small, because he, you know, he's five eleven. He played at two, depending on who you believe, anywhere between two fifteen and two twenty five. Um, it was not going to test well, um, but but just I mean, look at the guy. He's got the three point seven five in mechanical engineering at Georgia. Like like watch him play. Like the guy's got abundance of talent. So he is certainly one. Um, and if he's not there, and he, he very well might not be, um, I deal with Lions fans on a daily basis who tell me he that if they don't take him at 32, that they're gonna, you know, overthrow the the proletariat and everything. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, Chad Muma from Wyoming, great fit, bigger guy, um, but he's a guy who can move. He's got coverage skills, former safety, um, comes from a family of good, solid, smart football players. Quay Walker's a good one. He's he's really really like. That's a guy who's on the on the upswing coming out of Georgia. Like all those Georgia, Channing Tindall's another one. Um, he's probably a, a day later, uh, and if he can deal with the fact that he's going to bite on every single fake ever, um, then then you've got yourself a pretty good linebacker there too. It, it's a great year for linebacker. Leo Chanel, 
um, from uh, from Wisconsin. Physical freak, really good blitzer. If Lovey wants to bring some more blitzing, that, there's not a better A-gap blitzer in this draft than Leo Chanel. Uh, Troy Anderson, that, 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 that's a great year for day two linebackers in early day three. So I, I, I would hope that the Texans dip in there. They certainly have enough picks to do it. And it's, it's a great, great middle class there. Yep. All right. Appreciate it, Jeff. I right, appreciate it. Yeah. All right. So, uh oh, Swan snuck in here. It's time to close it down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, just what. Just one other thing before we close it out. Had a ton of good questions. 155 plus listeners tonight. So I appreciate everybody's oh, time. And great. yeah, no, it's it, the fans are great here. Um, what what can we expect from from um, Reeves, Maven, and MJ Stewart as free agent okay. signings? Yeah, good good question. Uh, Reeves, Maven, you're going to get a very good special teams player. You're going to get a guy who w- understands. How to play defense? He just doesn't always play it all that well. He was he was given every chance to win a starting job in Detroit last year, and it just didn't happen for him. Uh, he's a good guy. Will, will, probably is going to be your your special teams ace. And if you're asking him to play a lot on defense, you're probably going to be a little bit disappointed in him. Uh, that that's just the way he is. Like the the, Lion, the Lions have had linebacker issues for a very long time, and they didn't have a problem letting him go. And they brought back Alex Anzalone. Uh, that and and Sean Dion Hamilton over him. That kind of tells you where he's at. Uh, I love I love MJ Stewart. That guy is a he is your utility defensive back. He is your number three safety. He is your number four corner. He can also play special teams. Like if you're asking him to start, probably asking too much. But if again nickel dime packages, he can he can play all over the formation there. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. He can play your your single high, he can play a split safety. Like the, he's a really good, smart player. He cannot catch to save his life. You can, he, you, if you, if you get, if you get out to the, the practice so he's field, AJ, and so he's AJ Moore. Okay. Yeah. yeah. When, when, <laughs> when they, uh, when, when they throw the passes of the defensive backs, it's going to hit his shoulder. It's going to hit his knee and he's not going to catch it, but he's, he's a very solid football player. I like that signing a lot. I really do. Yeah. No, I, I think, uh, Couple of Brown fans hit me up saying that you'll be excited to have him as as part of the rotation, not not somebody that you want to lean on as a full time starter, but can fill in the fill in the the gaps in between where you have good, from, good, good human being too, good solid yeah, guy. Well, He'll be good in the locker room too. That's that's another thing the team needs is is good locker room, good locker room. That's part of another piece of that rebuild. So, Jeff. So we're an hour and 11 minutes, so we'll, uh, <laughs> sorry we had a couple other requests sitting out there. We'll have to get to you all next time. Jeff, I appreciate yeah, the time. You can always hit, him, hit me if it's a question for me. Hit me up on Twitter. I'll hit, I'll hit you back at it. Yeah, there you go. What's your what, Where can they get at you on Twitter? So it's at Jeff Risden, right? Yeah, it's R-I-S-D-O-N. It's all yeah. one word. No, no underscore. Anything. Just get it on there and let me know you heard, let me know that you heard me uh, uh, here with Troy, and uh, I'll, I'll give you a priority. Jeff, I appreciate the time, man. It was good to finally talk with you, and I know we've exchanged messages for years, so it's good to to finally connect, and we'll have to do this again sometime. And yeah, then, absolutely. If you want the one after the draft, hit me up. Yeah, no, we'll definitely be doing a few uh, post-draft reviews and and see what we can uh, dissect from that. So I appreciate the time, and I appreciate everybody's uh, willingness to come in here and listen. Like I said, it was great to get back to it after a little two-week break, and uh, we'll keep – 
pushing on on these on uh, every Tuesday night up to the draft. And, and uh, again, I think for everybody who's listening, and Jeff, I appreciate it and hope you have a good week, sir. My pleasure. Thanks for having me in, man. It was good to connect with you finally in person. Yes, sir. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. All right, folks. Well, everybody have a, a wonderful evening. And with that, we will shut it down. Have a good night. Mm-hmm.